Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University listeners. I am so excited for a couple of reasons. First of all, I've got Jeff Henderson in the room with me. Hey, Dave. Uh, And maybe even more exciting than having Jeff Henderson in the room, (laughs) I am holding in my hands an arc. Wondering what an arc is? Jeff has schooled me up. It is the advanced reader copy of Jeff's new book published by Zondervan called Know What You're For. Uh, So this isn't the, it is a real book, but it's not the real, real book because the real, real book is coming out really soon. Very soon. Very soon. And um, it, this is the culmination of a project that Jeff has worked on literally for years so we talk about launching things. He's been in the throes of launching this this little baby right here for a while, and we're going to unpack that today. Uh, we're going to we're going to kind of go behind the scenes in a in a separate podcast. We'll get into some of the content, the key principles behind four. But what I'd love to do is just take listeners behind the scene and and just answer the question: How did you get to the point where you're actually launching this book? this fall. So that's mm. super cool. So first of all, congrats. Thanks, Dave. You, I actually sent you like an email with some of this. So <laughs> I know like, here's a couple of, what chapters. do you call that? Just the email draft, huh? Yeah. That's just the draft. It's like, is this any good? So that, that was that kind of draft. So, but. well, I, I, uh, this is so cool. I have to say you're one of the most disciplined folks I ever, I know. And it has taken a lot of that to, to get this done on top of everything else that you've got going on in your life. Um, but as we talk about it, I want to go way back in time because um, I feel like, I'm, as I've known you a long time, you've always had an interest in writing. Mm-hmm. And where do you think that came from? Gosh, as a kid, I used to read Sports Illustrated all the time. Every week I would just sit there and read that. And I think just reading Sports Illustrated and reading those fantastic writers, I became re- very interested in writing. And then later on in college, I became a huge fan of the novelist Pat Conroy. I actually got to meet him. And then on my 40th birthday, Wendy actually somehow found him and he sent a voicemail to me to wish me happy 40th. He was a fantastic writer, a native of Atlanta, a passed away a few years ago, but he, he was fantastic. So just kind of sports writers and Pat Conroy and just kind of being interested in writing and reading. Yeah, if you don't know Pat Conroy, I don't know if he's best known for The Lords of Discipline, which I think turned into a feature film. Yeah, he's had several. Great, great Santini. Right, Prince of Tides. Those became movies too. Right, right, so he's yeah. the guy behind all that. Yeah. And you just... And he used to write by hand. He went, He didn't do the computer. He would just get manuscripts and just write it by hand, which I also uh, learned another big hero of mine, John Maxwell, that's how he writes his books. He just has uh, loose leaf of paper and just writes it by pencil. Speaking of John Maxwell, the foreword by John C. Maxwell, right on the cover of the book. Yeah, I tried to get the publisher to put his name in bigger font size than mine. <laughs> well, they may in the final copy, but yeah. right now you're on top of yeah, him, right. Jeff. Take that, John. Yeah. And, so, I, and I think another another guy named Andy Stanley wrote the afterword. Yeah, you may have heard of him. Yeah, Andy wrote the afterword. So if you don't like, you should just get the book because John and Andy, for what they wrote, man, what they wrote was spectacular, but I was I was really honored that they did that. I think it is so generous of you to help those guys out and show them what, it, what it's <laughs> like to right. write a good book. I hope this helps their career. I'm trying to help them. That is so thoughtful of you, Jeff. That's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> That's what we're about at Launch University is helping these guys, you know, these guys that are trying to make it in life like Andy and John Maxwell. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, so you've had this seed, 
to write a book going back a long time, decades, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And then um, I want to talk about how this specific idea came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I tell the story from my uh, yeah, absolutely from my point of view, yeah. and then you correct all the, in, <laughs> the right. things that aren't right. If it's great, I'm going to say that's right. Uh, I remember we're having a conversation one day. You're in the midst of launching another church called Gwinnett Church, right. which is um, north. If you're not from Atlanta, that's a big northern um, suburb of Atlanta, fast growing. A big, like humongous high schools, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you're part of a North Point Ministries organization. You'd already helped get Buckhead Church um, up and running, and you are now asked to go start another church in Gwinnett. And big building project. Mm-hmm. And you said, I want to do something that is not conventional within uh, the church world, which is I want to budget for a branding campaign. And I remember you talking about having to pitch that to the North Point leadership team. And they're like, hmm, is that good stewardship? I'm not sure. We, do, we, we don't normally do that kind of stuff. So it, talk about that a little bit. Well, I think when they understood that it, it, this was about vision, they, they, you know, North Point is amazing, the leaders that, that started North Point Ministries. And they understand vision that you can't, uh, you, you just got to stay on vision. If you drift off vision, then you drift off what you've been called to do. So when they saw that it wasn't just logos, but it was really it was really tied into what we wanted to do, our vision, which is at North Point, is to create churches unchurched people love to attend. And that's what this whole thing really was about, is to trying to create an opportunity so that we can engage people that would consider themselves probably not church people. And yet we wanted to share with them that we actually have more in common with you than you think. That's where that's that's the kind of the genesis of the idea. Well, one of the specific things that you had passion for when you when you build a big building, you typically have a big construction sign out front so that everybody that's coming by knows what's going on. It's a chance to um, sort of tout um, your project and and give a shout out to some of the key contractors and architects and stuff. And you said, I don't want to take the conventional approach, and I just don't want to put, hey, Gwinnett Church coming soon. Right. You want to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Well, I got our staff together, and a mutual friend of ours, William Warren, I had him draw a picture for me. You know, William, does, he's been on the podcast yeah, before. Yeah, Sketch Effect. Yeah. And I said, I want you to draw a picture of a guy on a couch with his back turned to us watching the television, and I want on the other side behind his back, I want you to draw a church. And I want us to, I want there to be a gap between this guy on the couch and the church. And then I told our staff, we've got lots of cars driving up and down Peachtree Industrial Boulevard every single day. And who I want us to think of isn't the church person. I want us to think of this guy. And it's not just men, it's women, it's families, it's students, but this guy represents all of them. I want us to think of him. And what we need to do is we need to just get him interested enough to turn his back to the church to engage. Because right now he's thinking, Oh, that's a church. I'm not a church person. I'm out. It's not unlike in the in the early breakfast rollout of Chick-fil-A. We had to convince people, hey, it you can actually eat chicken for breakfast. You know that, right? And for a lot of people, that was just foreign. So if you take that if it's still foreign to you, you can eat chicken <laughs> for right. bre- for breakfast. It's it's really good. So a very similar concept would be that guy still has his back on the couch, but he's turned his back to a chicken biscuit, basically. So what we had to do is make sure that, oh, you mean I can actually entertain the thought of eating chicken for breakfast? Well, I wanted to have this guy turn and go, oh, wow, I never thought that I would be interested in attending church. So rather than say Gwinnett Church coming soon, we wanted to create a message where he would go, oh, wow, 
that that includes me. That that's for me. What is that? And we wanted there to be a little mystery. So we just put hashtag for Gwinnett. And there was no like Gwinnettchurch.org. It was just that was all it is. And I got some feedback going, how are they going to know that's a church that's being built? And I said, exactly. They're not. And then we gave everybody four Gwinnett t-shirts and we said, hey, just go into the parks. And there was only like, you know, 150 people at this time. Just go into the parks and restaurants and grocery stores. And you're going to, I bet you're going to have people ask you, what four Gwinnett, what is that up there? And in vision, you got to have language enough that vision's like a bucket of water. The more water you have in the bucket, the more it's going to spill out. So you have to have just a little bit of water in the vision bucket. And so we just conditioned all of our, or trained all of our folks. Hey, when you're asking this in the grocery store, when they say, what is Fort Gwinnett? Here's what I want you to say. Well, it's a church. And they'll go, why, what does it say Fort Gwinnett? And here's the vision statement. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. We're Fort Gwinnett and we're for you. That statement grew our church massively. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And whether you're a church person or not, that that's really important to understand because what we wanted to do is to equip the vision carriers. And when you equip the vision carriers, they become vision casters. Typically, we think of vision casters as a person standing on a stage. That's one way. But we had vision carriers in the grocery stores, in the ballparks, in the schools, all throughout the community wearing those T-shirts and putting four Gwinnett bumper stickers on their car. And, but that message was wanting to turn the guy on the couch, turn around and go, huh, these people are for me. They might have something in common with me. I'm curious about that. So that's what that that whole idea was about. Yeah, you flipped the script. Um, you and not that churches are takers. I don't believe that at all. But you, you said we're not going to show up in this community as a taker. We're going to be a giver. Right. And you were out there trying to figure out how do you celebrate everybody that's already out in this community, mm -hmm. and we're coming in. Um, and you you put that up on the sign. You put it on the T-shirt. You did a lot via social media. You were celebrating restaurants and retail stores and parks and sports leagues and community events. Super cool. In fact, I remember one of one of my favorite moments going to the very first service. That's right for Gwinnett Church, and uh, it was huge. And yeah, that was, that was that was a lot of fun. I don't know. How, there were thousands of people there. I don't know how many people were there, but a lot of people there. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I, you know, in those early days, we we asked the question from the very beginning if we went out of business, would the community even notice? Yeah. And I wanted that question, even in the early days, to go, that's what I want a few years from now, if we were to decide, hey, you know, it's been a good run, but I think we're going to go do something else now and let's sell off the property and give all the money away, but we're done. I, would, I want the mayors and of the towns in Gwinnett, the school principals, the families, the business owners to go, no, 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 if you close down, we suffer as a community. Even if they go to our church or not, I want them to feel this value. And that's 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 what the whole four campaign has been about. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, I mean, you're brand new in this church and you're kind of out of space almost right out of the gate right. and had to almost immediately crank up another campaign to build another wing to the church really to help um, accommodate a massive uh, student. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no one would recommend doing a capital campaign nine months after you move into a building that you just finished the capital campaign. So th that was... Uh, that, hey, those are good problems to yeah, have. Yeah, that, that was definitely a problem. The kind we want. That's right. That's right. So anyway, yeah. so that, that's awesome. So really, the reason we tell that story is um, in the midst of crafting sort of that brand, Gwinnett Church brand, marketing strategy, 
that's that's where the idea for the book came from, from a content standpoint. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it came from two questions that we asked from the very beginning, and that is, what do you want to be known for, and what are we known for? And and we can dive into the questions if you want. Um, yeah, before you go right there, I, I want to say that once you did this, it was so successful. Um, you started to see people all over the country use this same campaign in, in a lot of cases for churches, but not necessarily for churches. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, you and I hooked up this morning at a coffee shop and you were posting social media for um, a, a, was it a church in Louisville? Uh, church in St. Louis. They're in launching, St. Louis. Yeah, okay. They're, they're launching for the Lou this weekend. And so they asked me if I would post on Instagram, which this is a fantastic church. So um, yeah, they're doing it. They're, so they're launching that this weekend. So this whole campaign really sort of became viral uh, as well. Is that fair? Yeah, by accident. I mean, I, I, I one day I, I came into work, I don't know, three or four years ago, and there was a coffee mug that said Fort Winnipeg with a note. Then the next week I got a T-shirt that said Fort South Carolina. And so I started getting T-shirts in the mail from these churches that were saying, hey, thanks for what y'all are doing. And I thought, wow how do they even know this, you know? And so, and then I started following them and then I started, this is probably the coolest thing, David. I started learning from them. I would see something that they're doing in their community and I thought, oh my goodness, we need, we need to do that. So it became this, this viral organic uh, movement, I guess, if you will. And then I just saw a church just a few weeks ago in, in Guatemala that, and what they're doing in Guatemala to tell Guatemala they're for Guatemala, I thought, oh my goodness, I've been showing our team. We should do this. <laughs> so it's, it's been fun to watch. I love it. And you don't hold that idea tightly like it's ours, copyright it, charge royalties, you know, you put it out there to share. Which, well, it's one of the things I learned from, you know, our mutual friend, Truett Cathy, is generosity. Yeah. Know, generosity wins. And generosity, let, let's be generous. Let's yeah. be generous with this. I, that's true. I, I really I, before we unpack the principles in the book, because what I think we'll actually do is make that a separate podcast. That's right. All right. So hold on that. What I want to do is so so had you turn this thing into a book, uh, one because I think there are people that actually have an interest in writing a book. But even if you don't, this is not just about writing a book. This is about understanding um, sort of the behind the scenes view of, how, of what it takes to bring an idea to life, mm-hmm. a, a big idea. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Yep. Yep. So I want to go into the process a little bit. Um, you've, you've, you've got this campaign. It's worked really well for the church. You now start think about th- you start thinking about turning this into a book. Talk to us about how that went down. Mm-hmm. Well, personally, I struggled with writing a book because it, I didn't know that the world needed another book. And then you have that internal battle, like, I'm going to have to promote myself and all that kind of stuff. So I just kind of resisted it until one day our mutual friend, Kerry Newhoff, he was in South Dakota and he took a picture of this community that was doing, I think for the Pine Bluff or something. And he carries, carries Canadian. So he's already, already nice. But, uh, and this was a nice text, but it was pretty forceful. He he basically said, okay, I've had it. I, I travel all over the world. I see these folks doing four. I don't think you're being a good steward of this idea because you're not really telling them how to do this. And I'm going to connect you with my agent. So uh, Esther Vetterkevich. And so that, that for me, that was like, you know what? This isn't humility. This is false humility. I'm not being a good steward of this. I need to lean into that. So that was, that was kind of a wake-up call to me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. So the, the, the book proposal process was really great because it really forced me to think about what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say about this? So what I see almost is a convergence of three things happening. One, we talked about it earlier. You've always had interest in writing. Mm-hmm. Two, 
you've got an idea that um, is really meaningful and it's starting to catch on and spread. Mm -hmm. You see it, Carrie sees it. And then three, you got a good friend like Carrie who basically gives you a a loving kick in the rear, right? That's right. Let's turn this into something real. Right. So all that comes together and all of a sudden you go, okay, I can do this. Well, putting the book together, book proposal was actually probably tougher than actually writing the book and because it's pretty lengthy process. And, but I think that's a good process because you, if you're not going to push through the book proposal process, you're not going to book, push through writing the book. (laughs) And uh, so you have to do all this stuff that, you know, all these stats and figures and chapter outlines and all this kind of stuff and book comparisons and what are books that are similar to this and all of that. And then I gave it to Esther and then I didn't hear anything back. And then she called me one day and she said, Hey, Zondervan, Zondervan wants to, you know, do this. Let's do it. And Zondervan's legit. Yeah. They've been great to work with. They're, they're awesome. And I have, you know, there's the, there's the, the argument now of self-publishing versus uh, traditional publisher. I have learned so much from Zondervan going through this process of what not to do, what to do. And it just was so helpful for me. And th- that's not to argue against self-publishing, but for me as a rookie author, I've just learned, I'm just so much more knowledgeable of the industry now than I was before. So I think doing this on, doing this on my own initially probably would have been problematic. So we're sitting here recording this August, 2019. When did all that happen? Like when did Carrie reach out to you and go, come on, man, let's do something here. This was probably two years ago. Yeah, okay. two years ago. And then, so he connected me with Esther. I had a conversation with Esther. It was great. And signed with her. And then she said, all right, here's, send me your book proposal. And her team looked at it, made some changes, and then she started shopping it. And then I think I got the the deal with Zondervan about a year ago. Okay. So one of the things I take out of that, uh, you probably, if you have a passion for something like this, it probably has to be a secondary thing for a while or you have to be financially self-sufficient because there's a lot of upfront time before you start to see fruit. Is that fair? And that's, that's again, going back to, you know, what we want to do here on the podcast is we talk about, you know, side gigs, if you will, or being able to have your day job and work at night and all of that. And how you, and that's very difficult, but I wasn't in a financial position to quit my job and pursue a book deal. And that didn't make sense on, on a no, lot of fronts. No. And I didn't want to quit my job. Yeah. So, um, but I think you can check more than one career box. And for me, plus what I was doing was actually giving me credibility about what I was writing about. So, um, so for me, it was, I thought I, I can, I can figure this out, but that's why this community, the launch community is so important because so many of you are doing that right now. You're working odd jobs and this and that, and, but you're also working on this side dream. So I want to break down the writing process a little bit. Uh, and first question I've got around that is we talk about prototyping a lot. You, you probably had to prototype your content to figure out how's it going to resonate. Is that, is that, is that, true or did you just say nope this is it i'm writing it all down yeah that's the book proposal the book proposal is basically a prototype okay because you are writing sample chapters you're not writing the whole thing but you're writing sample chapters you're giving an overview you're talking about who the reader is who's your target market um, who are as i mentioned what are similar books out there but what makes it different from from those similar books what is your audience reach already so when you're writing the book proposal that's that's the prototype prototype And how much time went into that? I would probably think about a month 
of just tweaking it. And then they would send it back to me and make some changes. And, and, and the book title actually changed two or three times. And so it was great. So with any prototype, you kind of push it out there and then you put it back and you change it and then you push it back out there. Okay. Here's where we go to the, uh, a week in the life of Jeff Henderson segment of this interview. (laughs) So you say, Oh, that took me about a month, but talk about what that month looks like. Talk about, your days and how you're spending time and how you're allocating time for this project in a way that doesn't come at the expense of your principal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Carrie talks about, Carrie Newhoff talks about do what you're best at when you're at your best. And so for me, I knew that I was at my best creatively early in the morning. So I would get up really early, get a workout in, you know, around 530. And then my goal would be to write 500 words a day. And sometimes those words were excruciating to get to. You'd keep constantly hitting the word count button. Uh, And then some days you'd go from 500 to 3,000. And you never knew. But I read this great book years ago, speaking of writing. Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, which is if you want to be a writer, this is a must read. And he talks about his goal is to write 1,000 words a day, six days a week. And you just have to show up. And you can't say, I'm inspired, now I'm going to write. You don't wait on the inspiration. You go and find the inspiration. For me, that was so helpful. Then there's another book, Stephen Pressfield wrote, uh, The War of Art. And he said, you, you win if you push against the resistance of going, I don't want to write today. And okay, just push against it. And this is so awful. Keep writing. Because the goal isn't great writing in and of itself. The goal is you won by writing 500 words a day or 1,000 words a day. Those two books really helped me push through the days when I felt like I was just wasting my time. Cool. If you're uh, driving the car or working out right now, we'll put that in the show notes. So we'll cover you on yeah. that. So 500 words a day. How long does that take? Well, I had That's to get, like a big homework assignment every day yeah. that you self-inflicted. Well, the, and the other thing, I mean, we had, I had a 40,000 word, uh, word count goal. That was what the publisher wanted me to get to. And for me, it wasn't trying to get to 40,000. It was trying, the harder part was editing down to 40,000. Okay, I'm doing the math. 40,000 divided by 500, what's that give me? I, t- I was told there was no math involved in this podcast. No, it's eight. It's, it's like 800 or something like that. No, 80. I don't have my, my phone in front Isn't of me. Isn't it eight weeks, I think? Maybe, I don't know. That's Okay, it's, it's 80 times 500. That give, I think that gives me to 40,000. That's, that's a lot of days... So did you do this, you know, you said Stephen King did it six days a week. Did you do this? No, I would do it five days a week. and Just and, five days a week. So. Well, <laughs> and there were days that I, I would miss, but I knew. And, and the great thing about having a publisher is I knew, one of the goals I met, I, I set, set for myself is whatever deadline date they get me, because there were several drafts, all right? There's draft one, deadline date. There's draft two, deadline date. Whatever deadline date they give me, I'm going to beat it by a week. That was my goal because I want to show them I'm serious about this. They're not going to have to call me up and go, hey, Jeff, we're, you're, you know, a week behind. Which that, if you don't know Jeff, I can tell you that's a recurring theme. He shows up <laughs> early for appointments and he'll bring work to do and do his work. You were here before me this morning. You were doing work at the coffee shop before I showed up. Um, when you're working on a talk, you like the talks done well in advance. And I think that's been one of your secrets to success, by the way. So that's a good principle, whatever you're working on. I just felt like I want to show them I'm serious. They're never going to have to call me and ask me, 
and, and that wasn't just, there, there are other deadlines that, that you were given, such as, hey, there's an influencer list of people that we want to send the book to. We need that by X date. I'm going to beat that by a week. I just wanted to show them I'm serious about this. And I'm, I'm, this is because I do feel like, as Carrie told me, Jeff, this isn't your idea. This was given to you. I mean, Carrie's a pastor. He said, this is given to you from God. This is a stewardship issue. And when he said, this is a stewardship issue, my mind shifted from, oh, I don't want to talk about me. Oh, I don't want to do that. When he said, no, that has nothing to do with that. This is a stewardship issue. I got in, that kicked me into high gear because I don't want to, you know, be a bad steward of anything. And for those of you that have an idea, just so you know, I don't think that idea is yours, yours idea you came up with it. I think it's your idea to steward. And one of the things I learned from Chick-fil-A is to be a great steward of what's been given to you. So when I had that, when I saw that, when Carrie said that to me, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a great steward of this. Because like the church in St. Louis, they're launching um, for the Lou this week. But the cool thing for this, this time next year, they'll actually have the book that they can follow. Well, I tell you what, if I get nothing else out of this podcast uh, today, the idea that you should just get way in front of deadlines and not not view deadlines as the point in time you're actually trying to show up or have work done, that's a huge idea. Mm. I'm just sitting here thinking about it real time, thinking, um, one, you're probably going to end up with better content because you're not scrambling at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Two, to your point, you demonstrate to the receiver of your work you're serious, you're on it. I think three, just... it sort of gives you margin. You sort of pay the price up front so that you can breathe and take the stress out and yeah. have margin on the backside. So I love that. And I'll say this to give her a shout out. Wendy knew that this was going to be a sacrifice of time for us. She was thousand percent supportive of, of, you know, how you doing? How's the work going? Hey, I'm going to get up early on a Saturday and go to Starbucks and I'll be there early when they open. And she, you know, she was great with all that. And hashtag for Wendy for Wendy. That's right. Giving her a shout out. I will say too another lesson. Another trick I learned was from our mutual friend, Mark Batterson. When he writes his books, he prays for the people that are going to read these books. And he begins to, that kind of conditions his mind to write for them instead of trying to write. I hope they think I'm good. And there's, that may sound like a small shift for me. It wasn't because it pushed away my insecurities. Like what if I get criticized or try to write this book? Like they'll like it. I was writing with a person like the church in St. Louis, the crossing. Is this going to help them? Are they going to be encouraged? Is this insightful? Is this going to push them forward? Just having them on my mind and verse versus me on my mind. That was a huge shift that I learned from Mark. And I think that's true with Anything we do, any business, church, organization, we all have a tendency, especially if you're a preacher or a pastor, you get up, I hope they like my sermon. You can't think like that. You have to go, how am I helping these people? And is this helping them? That mindset just helps, I think, the quality of what you're doing. Going to go in the weeds real quick with this question, but did you find that having um, a certain place and a certain um, almost ritual. You talked about doing it early in the morning after you work out and trying to get 500 words, but how OCD do you get about some of that stuff to, to kind of hedge your bet that you're going to have success? I think it's really important. I had two places, one at, one at my home, and I wouldn't go anywhere in my home. It was one place in my home, and the other was a particular Starbucks that opened really early. And it was, there's a lot of Starbucks around where I live, a lot of Chick-fil-A's where I live. But I wanted to be at a one particular Starbucks. And I don't know why. I just felt like it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, the, the Olympic race when they hand the baton. I feel like I was, 
I left the baton at either the place at home or the place at Starbucks and I was picking the baton up. I don't know why, but for me, it was just, it was just part of the consistent flow of I, I was here yesterday, I'm back and let's keep this thing going. So I think there is something to be said for um, the environment. This, mm-hmm. The set of circumstances you create, it sort of gets you in a frame of mind. I know it's true for me. Yeah. Helps focus. You say, I'm here to do X. I'm not here to do Y and Z. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's what you're f- figuring out. <laughs> and Wendy, Wendy would say, why are you going to a Starbucks that's so far away? And I said, I just want to kind of get out of our world a little bit and just kind of get over there and just kind of settle in and get going. I know why you're going to a Starbucks out of the way, because I've been with you in these places and 50 people come up and want to talk to you. So, <laughs> which is awesome, except when you've your own deadline to get a book done. <laughs> yeah, that's so. right. It's hard to go. I'm on, I'm on deadline. So, yeah. but I think, I mean, I think that's a great question, David. I, I, for me, I think a place is just really, really important. And uh, I'm already, I'm, I'm working on a proposal for the next book. I'm going to, but I'm going to find two different places because this, this book is going to be a little bit different and I don't want to just fall into the rut of the last book. All right. So as we wrap up this podcast, uh, we've talked a lot about how you spent the time to actually pull all the content together, but just writing the book is not the rest. That's not the whole story because it's about to hit and there's like a whole nother phase to this project as we move into launch mode. Mm-hmm. So share a little bit with our listeners the things you have to do once you've sort of created your product, in this case, the book. The hardest thing about this whole process has been picking the book cover. <laughs> because <laughs> So there's, you know, Wendy, Jesse, and Cole. We had four options. Uh, half was vehemently opposed to what actually showed up on the, so I have two of my family members or actually one, because I was one of them, one that's really happy with a book cover and two that aren't. So, and that was, and I remember even Carrie, I sent it to Carrie, goes, you have to clarify right up front with your family members, they're either a decision maker or just an input provider. <laughs> that's right. So, so Wendy, Wendy made the final call, basically. Even, you know, great friends like y'all and Carrie, everybody was split. And I'm thinking, I'm going to make half the people in my life happy and half the people think that I don't listen to them. And so anyway, we went with the current book cover. Basically, it's a T-shirt, but that, that really emphasizes the fact that of vision carriers, people wearing the four message and going into the community. So there's, a, there's actually a message there. But couple people in my family does not like did not like the book cover but then you start getting into the marketing of it and there's this whole science about amazon algorithms that i am just basically very i mean i'm like in day two of trying to figure this out and it's changing dramatically and how all this stuff works and so but one of the things i've learned is that a friend of our another mutual friend of ours dr tim Irwin, he said when it comes to books Books sell speeches and speeches sell books. And so I'm going to go on a book tour and I think that's, that's going to help. But that, yeah, so now I'm kind of in the marketing phase of it. So that's been, that's, that's been a huge learning process for me. So it takes a lot of time. You've got to, you got to be willing to get out there and uh, talk about it. Um, right. And as you said, uh, the way things go to market and uh, today with everything related to online sales, digital, Amazon, as you said, it's totally different. So you, you, you got to school up on that. So if someone's trying to figure that world out, where do you point them? Well, I'm still trying to learn that. You know, uh, I know Zonervan's, Zonervan's helping you. Zonervan's been a big, big help. Carrie has been a big help to me, Carrie Newhoff. 
Pat Flynn, who doesn't know me, but Pat Flynn, uh, he has a podcast, Smart Passive Income. He just did a series not too long ago about this very topic, Amazon book publishing and all of that. But I think the biggest thing for me, David, is that this is a, I'm taking the long-term play on this. The four message for me is a life message. Uh, it's something that was really birthed out of my parents to me, my time at Chick-fil-A, because I mean, I opened with a story of riding in a car with Truett driving him to a speaking engagement. Um, and then these years at North Point. So for me, it's not so much the three weeks before the book launches and the six weeks after. I'm in this for the long haul. Yeah. So I'm going to, this, and I've told our, my, my publisher that. Um, good news is uh, a year or two from now, I'm still going to be bugging you about this book. Uh, the bad news is a year or two from now, I'm going to still be bugging you. So that's good news and bad news. This is a life message for me that I'm going to stay on this, stay on this thing as, as long as I'm here. Well, I think if you're a publisher like Zondervan, you not only want somebody who's got great content and can deliver it, um, as you have done, but you need somebody that's going to get out there and hustle it up too. And I know that um, I already see evidence of the fact that you're pouring yourself into to this. And I think they're going to find that you're um, a great partner, which would lead me to think, as you've, you've already sort of dropped that, that idea, there'll be a second book, but it could be a long relationship there as they, they realize they, they, they got somebody good uh, on the team now. So uh, I am so excited about this. Um, well, thanks for your help with it. You were one of the first guys to read it. Yeah. Well, it, um, you know, my, my part was uh, teeny tiny, but I'm just thrilled for you. You're in the book twice. So there you go. Who edited me? I, mean, I thought there was like a third and fourth reference. What happened, man? <laughs> I think you get, hey, there's a lot of stuff. Like I said, I had to edit, they had to edit a lot of stuff I'm out. Teasing. I'm teasing. I'm really excited <laughs> for you. So uh, we're, we're going to actually, I want uh, listeners to tune in for another podcast session because we're going to get into some of the key principles behind the book and you've made reference to it this is not about um, how to build a church or th this concept applies to whatever you're looking to do it is a big idea it's powerful so we're going to unpack that next time but um, really uh, just thank everybody for tuning in and uh, you got to be on the lookout for what you're know what you're for um, from by Jeff Henderson and John Maxwell. Forward by John Maxwell. And Andy Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> that'll help that, that, that'll help sales. And I would say this too, Dave. If you've got an idea, I hope what we've talked about today has been helpful is you, you know, those small positive daily deposits, whether it's writing or whatever it may be, those are really, really important. And then just keep in mind who you're doing this for. And that'll help push through the insecurities and the, the, the pushbacks and the, the, the death of the dream. Just keep thinking about who will benefit from your idea, and that'll push you forward. And think about your next upcoming deadline and figure out, can you beat it by a week? I <laughs> like right. that, too. That's right. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate uh, you just investing time with us. We're honored by that, and I uh, hope we've been able to deliver some value for you today. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.